Hello and welcome to the PopBreak.com's official Oscars podcast, hosted by Marissa Carpico and Matt Taylor. This is Marissa Carpico, the film editor at thepopbreak.com. I'm here with my Oscar collaborator, Matt Taylor. Say hello, Matt. Hi, everybody. And we are here today to talk about uh, Best Picture. Um, This is our way too early Oscar podcast, but the Oscars are today, if everything goes right. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. um, These are the nominees for Best Picture in 2019. Um, Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit. Joker, uh, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Um, let's start with Ford v. Ferrari. Um, it is what it sounds like it, it's about. Um, you can dig into it more, though, Matt. Yeah, this is the story of um, back in the – I'm trying to find the exact time on the Wikipedia page. Um, 1966, the um, Le, Le Mans Le – Mans Le Le Mans in France, where um, Ford was essentially challenged to compete and see if they could beat Ferrari, um, Ferrari who is al- who always dominated the race. And it's you know the story of these two men, um, Ken Miles, who's a professional car racer and who played play by Christian Bale, and Carol Shelby, who um, is a former race car driver who's now a designer, played play by Matt Damon, and the way the two of them attempt to develop this a car to beat Ferrari and. Um, it's the ultimate dad movie, but I kind of do like it quite a bit, even though dad movies are very much against my aesthetic as a whole. Um, you know, it's like in the way that I think a lot of James James Mangold's movies are, like just very good movies for what they are. And it's like it's perfectly serviceable and fun and um, on Bale's part, very well acted. And, you know, perhaps it's a little long and perhaps it's a little bit too of the just a bunch of boys um, movie at certain points, but I, I had a good amount of fun and compared to some of the other movies you're talking about, it's fine. <laughs> like it, it really is not problematic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like who could be mad at this thing when there's so much else to be mad about? Um, I like this movie a lot. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it in the sound categories and how excellent it is there. And I mentioned um, Christian Bale as someone who I think should have been nominated for it. Um, but yeah, it's just a pleasant, um, you know, old school kind of movie about dudes and in a way that isn't offensive, which is really, <laughs> really an achievement in this nightmare year of 2019 films. Um, it has no chance. Um, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I don't well, think we're ever going to have another movie like this win Best Picture. I'm actually kind of surprised that managed to get nominated. <laughs> like, but 20 years ago, this would have swept Best Picture. <laughs> 20 years ago, this would have won. Now it's kind of like what you know. It's the it's the it stole Dark Waters' spot. Um, let's talk about the the next one, The Irishman. Um, Scorsese's three hour epic finale of essentially to his um, gangster movies. Um, it's a sort of true story about, um, the guy who killed Jimmy Hoffa, most likely, um, <laughs> basically, <laughs> um, yeah, it's stars Robert De Niro in, um, you know, de-aging technology that is not good. Um, I hate it. 
but you like it. So you should talk about why you think it got nominated. Um, yeah, I mean, it got nominated because it's Brian and Sassy, let's be real. <laughs> like, yeah. As long as he doesn't direct, um, you know, another another silence, <laughs> like the Academy will will pay attention. But um, and that's not a dig towards silence. Just the Academy was that was not their movie. Yeah, but, I don't know why um, it's better than this shit. I, I disagree, but, um, you know, it's the sort of thing, like, I really enjoy these gangster movies, and I think this sort of works as this grand finale. I will totally admit that if he does another gang movie, I will be annoyed and probably think less of The Irishman as a result. But um, on this metatextual level, I really do enjoy it as this finale. I think it's a very, um, you know, for a movie that is very, very long, and there's no denying that the runtime is a bit of a chore mainly in the sense that like i don't think i can realistically have the time to watch it in the next five years but um you know both times i've seen it once in theaters um and then once with family over thanksgiving weekend um i enjoyed every minute of it like it's the sort of thing where it's like it's a very it's a it's a commitment to watch but i do find it very um very commanding in the moment and I love the last 45 minutes so much. I love every one of Anna Paquin's scenes. I love every one of, um, you know, the moments in the in the jail with, um, I mean, spoilers for history. I don't know. <laughs> like, um, with De Niro in jail and everything like that. And it's, um, it, it, I find it very, very interesting. The de-aging effects are quite annoying. I will say that. Especially on a smaller screen, they're slightly less noticeable. On the big screen, it's incredibly distracting. It looks like you're watching a PlayStation game at times. But um, it's... I, I find it very interesting. I will say I find it interesting in the way it stacks up. Um, it's been a great in- experiment of how Netflix um, enter the public consciousness because I find like a lot of general movie general moviegoers as in people who do not remotely follow film culture very cold on this movie um like i i have yet to meet somebody who's not in the film realm who likes it interesting except for like my dad but like um like it's it's very interesting in just the way that like a lot of people have sort of dismissed it as like too long or too um repetitive but like i do find it so i wonder how its reputation will stack up because unlike something like goodfellas which became like a cable classic like this movie just will not but um i find it very very well done and it just missed my um personal best picture lineup yep um yeah i I have nothing more to say about it uh jojo rabbit um yeah it's that um it's Taika Waititi's Nazi movie that um, definitely doesn't make its point as well as it thinks it does about, um, you know, the banality of evil. It realistically turns back around it's on itself and makes Nazis seem silly instead of, you know, um, horrible. Uh, and also in, in the process makes it a movie uses two really good female characters and two really good actresses to um, just, you know, make the manic pixie dream whatever's Um, in the story about, you know, a story about teaching boys to just not think about themselves through a story. That's all about them. Um, I hate it. Uh, It shouldn't be here. It's not a good movie. It won't age. Well, do you want to add anything? (laughs) Yeah, I do because I t- we talked about this a little bit when we talked. I think 
in the screenplay episode, but mm-hmm. I feel like I wasn't able to fully vocalize my thoughts um, very well. And I had this thought um, while talking about a different pop culture phenomenon from 2019, which was the Watchmen TV series. And mm-hmm. um, I think where Jojo Rabbit fails as a movie is it puts all the burden on fixing the world essentially and fixing issue um power dynamics that lead to people's deaths um it puts all the burden on the victims essentially whether it be women um jewish uh, jewish people um the gay people even um like it puts all this burden on them having to explain to the world why they deserve to be treated like citizens and um that was the that was the norm for many many years in film. Like that was what people just expected these movies to be. But then, like you know, I like many people watched Watchmen on HBO this year. Was like glued to the screen, and it ends on this note of this thesis statement that is like the only way to truly fix these systems of um, oppression in the world is to totally change the power dynamic and put the people who. Um, are disadvantaged in power basically and um that ending i think really changed the way i view a lot of movies like Jojo rabbit which i saw in toronto and i remember thinking like i definitely don't like this and i don't like as much as the people around me but i don't think it's necessarily bad and then as i thought about it some more i was like no i think it is bad and then in in light of like a post Watchmen, even post Knives Out world, that, that movie's not as we discussed, like it's not perfect in that messaging. But like, no, like what this movie is, like what this movie's thesis statement is, I just think it's so toxic, and I think it's like yeah. the way the way the note it ends on is just so frustrating, and I find like you know, I'm I'm really tired of movies where people have to explain to misguided straight white men or boys why they deserve to live and i i cannot wait for this movie to never be around anymore <laughs> yeah i've hated it i hate it i decided i hated it about 10 minutes in um, <laughs> and then it just got worse um let's move on to film i hate even more um actually yeah yeah uh joker um also about um to quote snl white male rage um uh I've talked about this movie before because I reviewed it and also we've talked about it, unfortunately, in many of these category um, (laughs) uh, episodes. Um, I'll say it again, but I think it's incoherent. Um, It's and wants to think it is saying something, but isn't um, and is um, just not is a very sophisticated film and it's thinking or it's craft. I'm shocked it's in here. Um, it's a shame that this is this is a film people are giving time to, frankly. Um, do you want to talk about it? Yeah, um, it's actually funny comparing it to Jojo Rabbit because, like, if I had to pick one, so if I if I had to pick one to watch again, I would easily pick Jojo Rabbit because at least it has some moments that work and performances that we've discussed are good. Mm-hmm. But um, Joker is just funny in hindsight because it's like. Like you said, it's so incoherent and like on paper, it should be more quote unquote problematic than Jojo Rabbit. But like it's like a teenage boy's idea of a message movie, which makes it in a way like less offensive to me because it's just 
it's so silly. It feels like this like teenage rebellion of a movie. And um when like it's the sort of thing whenever I find I see people reacting, calling it disturbing or calling it um, you know, thought provoking but dark and I never want to see it again. I'm like, go watch a real movie. Like I feel like very <laughs> condescending, but I I don't care. It made so much money where I don't I don't give a shit. Like it's like this this movie would not be disturbing if you watched any disturbing movie before this. Like it's like watch Taxi Driver, which makes like the same point forty years ago and so much more coherently and so much more effectively. Or yeah. even go back a year, uh, two years ago, and you can see Hakeem Phoenix make the same movie with Lynn Ramsey, and you were never really there, um, which is much better. And it's this this movie is so silly, and I hate this trend of needing comic book characters to explain messages to to boys. Yeah, right. And just like aff- affirm everything that's wrong with them. Um, <laughs> let's talk about a good movie, Little Women, um, written and directed by the masterful like, Greta Gerwig. Um, God damn it. I wish this were going to win Best Picture over some of the other things that are nominated and some of the things that actually have a chance. Um, we've raved about it so much. And it's just like it is a film that is going to last so much longer than half of these. Mm. No one's going to be talking about fucking Jojo rabbit in five years. Joker. We're going to have to talk about it, but 20 years from now, people are going to be like, they talked about this fucking film, this, (laughs) um, especially if it wins best picture, it'll be the like Tom Jones of the fucking, you know, of the year. Uh, You you guys won't get that yet, but you will soon. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I just, it's so perfect. We, we, you and I have both seen it, what, three times? Yes, three times. Yeah. Um, it's good on every level. Um, writing, you know, obviously she adapted it from Louisa May Alcott's uh, novel of the same name, but she took new things out of it that, you know, three other previous <laughs> adaptations <laughs> didn't get. I mean, there's been more than that. There's been like TV ones, but the ones, you know, the movies. Um she revitalized she revamped the amy character she cast everything perfectly um it's beautiful to look at the score is great we've talked about all of this it is a perfect fucking film it's insane that it doesn't have a chance at this at this award um how about you rave about it now matt yeah it's lovely and um you know one of the two masterpieces on this lineup i completely agree that um we're going to be talking, talking about this for so long. And, you know, both because the movie is based on this classic and it's easily the best adaptation of this book and it's such a big hit at the box office right now. But also just, you know, Greta Gerwig, I think, is going to be one of the defining directors of this current generation. Like, if I had to pick the two directors from the 2010s that will mean the most in the next 10 years through the 2020s it's her and jordan peele like they're the two people who are going to be important figures for the next 10 years and um i mean this we're going to look back in 10 years when greta gerwig directs whatever gets her a best director oscar and be like oh wow we didn't even nominate her for little woman like that's insane and that's a better legacy than a lot of these people could hope for so it's i'm i've I have come around to accepting that, like, it sucks she's not going to be nominated for this or, or win, but, like, she doesn't need it. Like, she will be golden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is just the beginning of her her dominance of, of film, hopefully. Um, yeah, it's perfect. I wish it were 
gonna have a chance. Um, uh, her her you know uh, significant other Noah Baumbach uh, also has an Oscar nominated Best Picture um, category you know nominee um, this year Marriage Story. Not as not nearly as good. <laughs> um, I've said many times on this podcast now that I don't think I think it's a really minor work. It's his one of his better pieces of work, but a, a lot of his stuff is not great. Um, I think it's really episodic and um, I don't know. I, you know, what? I talked about the last one first. How about you start about Marriage Story and then I'll jump in. <laughs> yeah, um, I like this movie a lot more than than you do. Um, I think and it's funny, I. I'm typically a little more positive on Bombeck, especially his newer um, catalog of like his, like this is very reductive, but like his post Greta Gerwig, yeah. um, post Greta Gerwig work. And uh, I mean, I think Mistress America is like maybe my favorite comedy of the 2010s. Oh. Um, and um, like, I'm a big, I'm a fan of his, I think weirdly in his post Greta Gerwig, years this is maybe maybe my least favorite but that's more of a testament to how much i enjoy his other films than didn't enjoy this one i think yeah. it's messy i think um it could have afforded to give scratcher hansen a bit more to do and as we discussed in the best supporting actress cat episode um i think laura dern's character needed to be a little more tightly written and most of the work with that character is done by her and not him mm-hmm. but i do find there are enough scenes that really work for me i like his sense of humor quite a bit um I like what Adam Driver is doing. It w- it w- w- would not make my best picture lineup. It's like not even probably in my top um, 15 for the year, but like I enjoy it. I don't know when I'll ever watch it again. And similar to the Irishman, I find it very interesting that it's very widely seen this movie from people that don't like follow his other works, but like not very well liked, but um you know, I'm just I'm already more interested in seeing whatever he does next than watching this again. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I think it's so forgettable. Um, and the way that the story around it changed so quickly, I think it really speaks to like uh, he, how what how ineffective it ultimately is in making its point and how maybe confused it is possibly about those points. Um, yeah, I just find a lot of it. um Really, like the Adam Driver stuff. I mean, I talked about it in that actor episode. He sort of represents everything that's an issue with it to me, and that like that character is just so played for comedy constantly. But also, we're supposed to like him, but also maybe we're supposed to think um, he is. The, we, we're supposed to be rooting for him to get the kid. It's it's all very. Um, I think it's all maybe a little too personal, possibly, because it's, you know, uh, there's elements of his own divorce in it. So I don't know. But it just doesn't quite work and isn't none of the characters are complete human beings, realistically, Um, which this could have used because it all ends up being feeling like a sort of um, dark comedy rather than anything else. And there's just so little weight to it. And a dark comedy wouldn't be a problem if there were just a clearer sense of what we're supposed to be looking at this as. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's fine. It's not going to win. Who cares? I will say, um, um, I if people have takes on this positively or negatively, um, definitely if you liked it, though, watch The Meyer Witch Story on, um, on Netflix also, which was his work from two years ago, three years ago, that is wonderful and no one paid attention to it. And I think it's so good. Um, 
and deserved this sort of Oscar hype that Marriage Story got. Yeah, I admit it's been on my queue for since since two years ago. Um, 1917, the at this point, the likely winner. Um, maybe <laughs> things have changed in the day, the seven days since we recorded this, but I highly doubt that. Um, Sam Mendes, it is a World War One picture. It's, you know, famously made to look like one shot. Um, it follows two soldiers who are trying to um, stop... Um, an attack from happening uh, in the morning because it looks like German troops have pulled back across no man's land um, in a retreat, but really it's a, they're, you know, drawing troops in so that they can massacre them essentially. Um, It's very exciting and um, thrilling, but, and the technical aspects are, you know, really incredible, but you and I have both said uh, that we're a little cold on it. Um, I was really hoping for more World War One stories, usually, really move me for some reason um but yeah i just this didn't work for me and i i still don't know why and i think it's because the technical stuff ultimately overtakes the internal story and and emotions of what's going on how about you yeah it's if this is the mystery of the year 1917 for me where i um there's so much to admire about it on a technical level, but yeah, I'm so cold on it. And, um, the best I can guess, having not seen it a second time, which I was thinking about doing, but haven't had the time to yet. Um, is just that I wish it leans into the melodrama. It is a very melodramatic um, premise. And instead it goes this angle of like, you know, the stiff upper lip of not trying to be melodramatic. And that just like, that is always the way to annoy me (laughs) when you're making it basically. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's undeniably impressive, and it by no means would be a bad win. Like, like it's it's inoffensive, it's well done, and I like Sam Mendes, and it's it's fine. It just like you know, there are two masterpieces here, and it's a little, it's always a bit of a bummer when a movie that's fine wins Best Picture over movies that are genuinely masterpieces. I I, I wonder how this will stack up in terms of like film history and best picture winners, like people seem to like it much more than the both of us do. So maybe it will have this great reputation or maybe it'll be forgotten about. I can't quite get a, get a read on it, but you know, not the most, not, not the worst scenario. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, uh, we've, <laughs> we still have two more to talk about, but um, yeah, the rest of this is sort of a nightmare situation. <laughs> like, there are so many, almost all of them are um, worst worst case scenarios. So 1917 winning is totally like a neutral, like, yeah, sure, fine, great. Um, although, wow, cannot believe this is happening to Dunkirk. It was right there. Yeah, it's like, it's it's a little annoying. And then even like, first of all, I've seen a lot of people who like 1917 trying to say like, Dunkirk is nothing like it. And it's like, stop. Like, it is. Yeah, They're Dunkirk very- is good. or like you know they're both being gimmicks which is not a bad thing most movies are gimmicks but um most movies are gimmicks guess what if fucking joker is the most gimmick shit i've ever seen are you joking with me right now (laughs) shut up it's like it's just funny because you know dunkirk is editing is um, an editing gimmick and you know it like it's very impressive also and it did not get close to sweeping best picture but you know what like I, I cannot wait to rewatch Dunkirk. That's my main takeaway. When I left 1917, I was like, 
am I going to go home and watch Dunkirk? But like, <laughs> Dunkirk is great. Dunkirk's so good. Um, all right. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the next um, category or nominee. Um, you, you can talk about it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to go into the plot. You all know it's Tarantino's fan fiction about 1969. And um, I think either 67 or 69. I don't, I don't remember. But um, <laughs> he barely knows. Um, I mean, like, you know, it, it, it's it's well made in, in many aspects. Tarantino, for all of my complaints about his recent output, is a talented director. And there's a lot of stuff that I do like about this movie, like Margaret's performance and Julia Butter's performance and Leo's performance. And a lot, it's beautiful looking. It is just very funny that even, you know, like the I don't want to get into the whole it's problematic conversation necessarily because a lot of people just immediately tune that out. I just We've think truly done it. we don't need to retread that ground. Right. Exactly. It's like even removing that whole aspect of it. Like I just truly find it forgettable. Like that's what I think is so funny. Like, you know, it's a worse movie, I think. And it's a movie that I find truly despicable, but like the hateful eight stuck with me more than this movie did. And, um, and like, even elements of Django and Chain stuck with me more, and I think that movie's maybe his worst movie. But um, like, this is just so minor. It feels, and it, it feels so like it. Like you know, the Academy loves doing movies about Hollywood, and most directors love movies about Hollywood. La La Land was a was like the most recent example of just a movie that was so in love with the idea of Hollywood, but like. This feels even more blatant and obvious about it than usual, and I find that more annoying in a strange way, especially since, as we discussed in our previous episode, he's loving a version of Hollywood that, like, never fully existed and, like, feels out of touch with what his version of Hollywood is. So it just, yeah. it's it's an odd movie that I don't quite think he knows what he's trying to do. And He, he rewrites the thing that um, gave him the Hollywood that he loved. Exactly. It's like, it is. Just, it just feels so strange and so like the good old days, basically, that mm-hmm. it, I, I find it cold and I'm I'm happy the steam let out of it because it's a, it's a scenario where I would have been more annoyed at, at it winning than I would have like most of these other options. But, um, you know, whatever. I like Leo a lot and it. <laughs> that's why I may take away. Yeah. Um. Last one is Parasite. Um, what what can we say that hasn't already been said about Parasite? It's a masterpiece. Um, it's a brilliant um, farce. It's a brilliant character drama. It's also a brilliant um, examination of class inequality in not just Korea, but fucking everywhere. There's no reason to remake it. Um, it's brilliant. Bong Joon-ho is a master. Um I think this is the thing that'll finally make a lot of people notice him for the first time, but um, it feels like just the beginning of an even more exciting string of films possibly Um, because it's like peak craft, peak filmmaking, peak storytelling, everything about it is good. It deserves to be in this category. You know, it won the SAG. So there is a chance it will win, but um, it's brilliant. Um, Matt, why don't you talk about it? Yeah, um, I mean, I've already raved about this movie so much, so I'd, I'm going to actually talk about a recent conversation I had with my brother, who is oft mentioned on, the, on these podcasts. Um, eventually, we had to have him as a guest, but we'll figure out the best way to do that. But um, 
you know, he's someone who does not necessarily follow the film film Twitter as like you and I both do. But mm-hmm. um, I end up just taking him to a lot of movies and he, he follows like a lot of the best reviewed stuff. And he obviously cares about the Oscars on some level because I just don't shut up about them. And he was so upset when the nominations came out this year because um, like, you know, his three favorite movies of the year were Parasite, Hustlers and Knives Out. And he was just like, what a lame Oscar essentially. And he's like, I feel like the Oscars just become totally irrelevant. And I'm like, in a sense, it could feel that way. And it's easy to get depressed given how horrible so many of the nominations are. I mean, you could feel it, I think, in our episodes, just how resigned we are that, like, these are the films we have to talk about. But at the same time, Parasite being nominated and essentially being neck and neck in the race with 1917 as what would win Best Picture mm-hmm. is so incredibly exciting for where we're yeah. going as a film world that it makes up in a in a small way for how glaring some of the omissions are because yeah. it just like it's insane that we're here like um, a f- korean film a, a, a film from a, um, a country that the academy previously totally ignored before the, <laughs> for this movie um despite having one of the most prolific film communities outside of america um yeah, the 2010 Korean film in 2010 was some of the greatest filmmaking in, in the world. Absolutely. Like, so, like, it went from being totally ignored by the Academy to being one of the ma- major frontrunners nominated in many awards that made over $30 million in the U.S. Like, that's insane. That is an insane success story for any foreign language film. Yeah. So, it, it, it's like, it's funny. I, um, at my local suburban New Jersey multiplex, like it is selling out screenings. Like that's, yeah. that's crazy to me. Um, so, you know, as depressing as this Oscar can be, we, like that is the glimmer of hope here that like, there is still this contingency within the Academy that genuinely cares about like changing what makes up the Academy basically. And like, you know, there are a lot of bad nominees this year, but this nominee is such an incredible success that, I I have like the I, my love for the Academy is still there because of this nomination. Yeah, it would be so wonderful if it won. I, I swear to God, if it pulls a moon, moonlight, I'll I'll weep. I will weep in the theater. Absolutely. Yep. Same. Um, <laughs> and I I hope it wins. I mean, like, <sighs> it's it's the obvious pick for me. Are there other? There's well, one other film I like in the category. <laughs> <laughs> Two, I suppose, but um, but it's so far and away the best film of of this cat of these this like group especially that it's like it's in, it's absurd to think anything else should win honestly and you know Joker's got the most nominations so it's got a real chance and uh, unfortunately and you know if it wins a lot of technicals early in the night I think you and I'll both be sweating but mm-hmm. um. Boy, I hope it's Parasite. It would be so wonderful if the surprise win instead of 1917 was Parasite. Um, let's talk snubs. Um, I I actually don't have um, – I, I don't feel as strongly – I don't know. I, I, all of a sudden when I was putting together a snub list, I was like, did I love anything? <laughs> <Last year. laughs> it, was, it, was, it was weird. Um, but there are movies I very much liked from last year. Um, I sort of mentioned one earlier, Dark Waters, I think would have been something that would have been nominated 10 years ago mm. and honestly is better than most of the films in this category. Hustlers, you know, what else can I say? There's no fucking reason it shouldn't have been nominated. I said it before and I've said it again. Uh, I'll say it again. 
it's the only film of the year that did Scorsese drag right. Um, Waves, I liked a lot. Um, it, you know, it's an incomplete film, but it's a film that makes me excited about movies in a way that um, 90% of these don't. Um, and then <laughs> my indulgence, indulgence pick is kind of the, just The Beach Bum, which is a film I loved. <laughs> it's one of the best movies I saw last year. Like, full stop. Um, yeah, how about you? Yeah, um, again, we I, we've talked about some of these so much, but like, of course, Hustlers. Um, I really encourage people to seek out her smell, which is on HBO um, right now for those Ooh. who have that. Um, wonderful movie. Um, I like The Lighthouse a lot from this year, which is like a weird little like gay movie, basically. That I, I yeah, no, it's it's basically explicitly queer. Yeah, it's like this like artsy horror A24 movie that's secretly super gay. Um, love Book Smart, one of my favorite comedies in recent memory. And um, I'll second your love for Dark Waters, which is just like, you know, it was like a weirdly thrilling experience in the theater of just like, yes, like file that motion, Mark Ruffalo. Like, it's like, <laughs> like sitting in the theater, just being so thrilled to like be able to watch an old fashioned legal thriller from one of our masters, Todd Haynes. So it's 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 great. It, like, this was such an interesting year for movies, as we've discussed with like so many exciting new voices and um, this year's Academy Awards didn't really sum that up, but I like, there's a lot of just weird movies to love this year. And I, I kind of like that outside of the best picture race, like you have this entirely weird, quirky world of movies that I think are made up the best of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like, there's so many things I liked, but it's just, I don't know. It's such a weird, such a weird year. Um, All right. Um, Well, we're going to see, what happens um, in a couple hours, realistically? Well, when this is up, it, he and I have a real a week until that happens. <laughs> um, but uh, post show, you can um, we're gonna we're gonna record uh, Matt, me, and the uh, whoever wins the um, Oscar pool uh, for the pop break, uh, which last year was Cat Madison, could be again. Um, so yeah, listen, look for that. So, Probably a couple hours after the show. Hopefully we won't get um, as slap happy about uh, ABC's com- upcoming shows <laughs> as we did last year. <laughs> um, you can find me at Marissa Carpico um, on all social media and on the site. Uh, Matt, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at Matt Matthew one and Letterboxd at Matt2. Awesome. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs>